Welcome to another episode of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo with Colleen Daniel, who is social distancing by broadcasting from home. I'm here in studio with Robbie Terry and Stacy Main. We appreciate you being here today. Coming up on this episode, we have news and local weather for the upcoming week. And as always, we will conclude this episode with the trivia question of the week for a $25 gift card to Fish City Grill. Let's take a look at this week's headlines. City manager announces immediate retirement. Peaceful student protest draws thousands to the streets of Mansfield. Texas Ranger statue with ties to Mansfield is removed from Love Field. Governor Abbott implements phase three of reopening Texas. Strip mall at Broad and Walnut Creek sees businesses moving out. Local church gets the cross they asked for and more. Alexis here with the weather forecast. We have a fascinating in-studio interview with former NASA engineer and Mansfield resident Dennis Webb. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is about Mansfield. Hi, this is John with Pool Aid, your local pool care specialist. The CDC has determined that pool maintenance services are an essential business due to the added threat of bacteria, algae, mold, and funguses that is a byproduct of the lack of cleaning in a chemical imbalance. Allow us to be an essential part of your pool. If you have any questions or concerns or need a certified professional to help keep your pool safe and clean, visit us on the internet at poolaid.net. That's poolaid.net. We're here for you. In 1999, Mansfield Cares was founded to be the safety net for those in need in our great city. Mansfield Cares built the first free medical, dental, eye clinic and the warehouse that is home to the only food bank in Mansfield. Our city's seven food pantries, Feed the Kids program, Back to School Bash, and college scholarships have all benefited from Mansfield Cares. Become a part of Mansfield's safety net. Donate today at mansfieldcares.org. That's mansfieldcares.org. Welcome back to About Mansfield. City Manager Clayton Chandler tearfully announced his immediate retirement at the City Council meeting Monday night. Chandler served as the city's chief executive officer for over 36 years. During his tenure, Chandler has guided the city's growth and development, bringing it local and national attention. Notably, his vast knowledge of finance and fiscal management has culminated in the city earning a coveted AAA bond rating. Under his leadership, the city has been recognized multiple times as Money Magazine Best Places to Live in America, been recognized three times as a gold medal winner for an excellent park system, received the Blue Legacy Award for Excellence in Water Conservation Projects, among a vast number of additional awards. Chandler held back tears as he addressed the council. I speak with excitement regarding the vision that I share with many of the, of the citizens of the prosperous future ahead for this city. The challenges to continue to expand the park system to provide strong response times to all areas of the city, to meet the needs of a growing police department and fire department, to repair and build the many roads, to increase water treatment capacity is no less formidable today than it was in 1984. I have confidence in the employee organization to meet that challenge, and I truly wish the citizens in this wonderful city that I love an even greater future. Thank you for the opportunity to serve you for so many years. Chandler told Cancel that even though his retirement is effective immediately, he will be available for consultation until the end of September. Each council member took a moment to express their best wishes, including an emotional Brent Newsom. I'll try not to be too, too emotional. Um, Clay's always been a good friend and a mentor to me. And, um, goodness, I thought I was, was going to do this. <clears throat> but just thank you. I know we'll talk more. Not, <laughs> but um, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for being what you've been to me and my family. Thank you. You have truly blessed this city and been the best thing, the best person that could have ever been here to build it. As you'll recall, the day you came through the door 36 years ago, I was your chief of police. A uh, little different role at this point now. I'm on city council, and I'm uh, honored to be here uh, when you decide to retire. It's a city I love as well, and I can't thank you enough 
for what you've done and the legacy that you've built. Thank you. You know, I lived for almost a decade, about 80 yards outside of the city limits, um, and always considered myself in Mansfield, but got here as fast as I could uh, to the other side of the road so that I could actually be in the city of Mansfield, and uh, that is in a very large part to your vision and your leadership in this city. And there's so many people that move here from other places and, and remind me regularly that there's nowhere else like Mansfield. We truly are set apart, and that is a huge thank you to you. Thank you. I want to thank your your family for being so give, for, uh, forgiving and giving of you and your time and, and um, understanding the, the commitment that you've had to this city because there's no doubt, as you said in your final remarks, that uh, the love that you have for this city is unquestioned and I just want to say thank you. Council approved six to one the mutual retirement agreement. Thousands of people took to the streets of Mansfield Friday in a peaceful protest. About Mansfield's Stacy Maine has the story. Mansfield High School is significant in Mansfield's black history, being the final school to desegregate in 1965. About 10 years before that, an attempt to integrate the school was met with white protesters holding racist signs. The governor sent the Texas Rangers to arrest any black students trying to enroll. The superintendent blatantly declaring that no black student would be going to Mansfield High School, and a black figure was hanging an effigy above the school's door. Friday, we saw the complete opposite reaction when hundreds of Mansfield residents of different races and all ages came out to show solidarity with the Mansfield High School Black Student Association and its cause to raise social awareness and bring change. Despite the heat, citizens walked the two and a half miles down Broad Street from Mansfield High School to City Hall, where speeches and conversations took place, along with voter registration. Simone Jones, incoming senior at Mansfield High School, Black Student Association vice president and one of the protest march organizers, is joining us now. Simone, how many people did you expect to show up and walk with the student group on Friday? Really, I only expected about 100, maybe 300, like at a max 500, but we ended up having almost 3,000, 4,000 people there. And when you looked out at all of those people there, what did you, what did you see when you looked out into the crowd of people walking? I was just amazed. I, I never thought that I could do, me and my friends could do something like that. I was literally speechless and I was so grateful for everyone that was there to support me. What is the turnout? I mean, I saw next door a lot of comments, positive comments about the community coming together. What was your reaction to the turnout and all the different residents that showed up? There weren't enough words to show how amazed I was. I never even thought that our our entire community could come together for something like this. So what does it tell you about Mansfield and maybe the city's future? It tells me that Mansfield is ready for a change and we're ready for our voices to be heard. And it just gives me more confirmation that we are Mansfield strong. And how did this come together? Did you approach the police department? And how did that go? How did this all come together? Uh, I did not approach the police department, but I went to, well, me and my friend, we were handing out flyers at another protest. And this lady got my number and she just, she gave me a whole bunch of connections, including the connection to the, the chief of police in Mansfield. And then they uh, helped coordinate this with you or they, they blocked the streets for you? Yes. Yeah. We had a, a meeting with him and he allowed traffic to be shut down so we could march in the streets and be safe as well. And what have your conversations been um, with other citizens and also maybe with the school and city leaders due to the march? A lot of them have just told me that they're proud and they thank me for organizing such an event for Mansfield and bringing the power back into Mansfield. And they were just explaining how grateful they are for me and Black Student Association, and I appreciate that so much. And how many people, I understand you had a voter registration. Um, do you know how many people you were able to, to register to vote? I do not know that information, but if I were to estimate, I would say around 200 people. 
And how does that help the cause, having people register to vote? Having people register to vote, that's the way of change. That's how we can really, really get reform uh, and justice. And that's what we're aiming for. That's what this is all about. And Mansfield High School has its own racist history. What do you see now that it has a more diverse population? What are some of the positive things that you see in your school? I would say, you know, they allow Black Student Association to just be there in 19, like, I believe 1965, Black students weren't even able to enroll there. And my friend told me her mom, who went to Mansfield High School, her mom couldn't even create a Black Student Association when she went there. So just being able to be ourselves and be out there at school, that's very powerful in itself. What are some of the things that the school and the school district can do better? I would say handle racial discrimination better. Just educate. You know, it's not really fair that you know, regular history is required, but African-American history, it's an elective and it only gets half a semester. And it's only at one school in all of Mansfield Independent School District. So I definitely say allowing students to learn more black history, which is American history, that should definitely be a priority in Mansfield. And I would also say handling racial racial discrimination, like I said, because I've personally had experiences in the past where it felt like the school district wasn't really doing anything. And what can you say to students um, to like keep up the momentum and bring real change? Uh, I would just say it starts with you. Change starts with you. I never thought I could do this, but you have the power to do it. And truth and all honesty it doesn't even take that much make a phone call to the mayor make a phone call to the superintendent send an email start a protest uh, on your own there's so much things so many things that you could do it all starts with you you can be the change you can change the world and Simone, what are your plans moving forward from here? Um, not just um, in your activism, but in your just in your future. What do you see in your future? Uh, my plan is to keep fighting for justice and keep fighting for change and keep fighting for reform until it comes around. And just basic humanity and morality is what I'm aiming for, for sure. I was speaking with Simone Jones, one of the organizers of the Mansfield High School Black Student Association's protest march held last Friday. Reporting for About Mansfield, I'm Stacy Main. A 12-foot bronze statue of a Texas Ranger was removed from the main lobby of Dallas Love Field on Thursday. The Ranger, dressed in full regalia, including cowboy boots, a pair of pistols on his hips, and a western hat, was a reminder of the nearly 200 years the Texas lawmen patrolled the Lone Star State. State. The Texas Ranger sculpture was a gift to the city of Dallas in 1963, when, according to city officials, policies requiring the extensive review of public art donations were not in place. According to the book Cult of Glory, The Bold and Brutal History of the Texas Rangers, the 12-foot bronze statue in the main lobby of the airport is modeled after Texas Ranger Sergeant E.J. Banks. Mansfield history buffs may recall that Sergeant Banks was the commanding officer in 1956 when the NAACP, backed by a court order, attempted to integrate Mansfield High School. Banks casually leaned against a tree and saw no need to disperse the crowd of white supremacists. To his left, a black person was hanged in effigy. Cult of Glory was released on Tuesday. The city of Dallas did not state if the statue will be replaced. Governor Greg Abbott announced his third phase Wednesday, reopening Texas during the coronavirus pandemic, allowing virtually all businesses to operate at 50 percent capacity. Restaurants were already permitted to operate at 50 percent and can immediately increase their table size from six to 10 people. On Friday, restaurants can ramp up their capacities to 75%. While the number of positive cases continues to rise in Texas, the governor emphasized that the new cases are largely the result of isolated hotspots in nursing homes, jails, and meatpacking plants. According to his office, those places made up more than 45% of the cases over roughly the last week. 
The numbers in Tarrant County included 198 cases reported last week. As of Monday, Mansfield has a total of 138 cases, 63 recovered, and four deaths, according to the Tarrant County website. The corner of Broad and Walnut Creek has seen some changes recently. Months ago, the Mansfield ISD purchased the strip mall that houses the Mansfield Mission Center thrift store and several other businesses. And while the thrift store has signed a multi-year lease, the small business owners received notices that no leases will be renewed and have been slowly moving elsewhere. Eterna Health Foods, owned by Kay Ray, has relocated to the Painted Tree Marketplace on the 287 Service Road next to Half Price Books and is looking forward to their ribbon cutting on June 18th. Minuteman Press intends to stay put until the end of their lease. Sage Mansfield recently closed their doors while shop owner Pam Camo still operates her Dollar Burbay soap company from home with online shopping. MISD will reportedly allow the farmer's market to operate in the parking lot once the coronavirus restrictions have been lifted. A lot of touch-and-go moments for Living Word Church on Monday night ends in success. About Mansfield's Robbie Terry has the follow-up story. The motion carries with Mr. Lehman and Mr. Moore voting no. The motion carries five in favor. Living Church pastor Trustin Baba was on pins and needles as the city council debated the place of worship's proposed building, LED sign, and 60-foot cross for over an hour Monday night. Living Church agreed to reduce the size of their LED sign, which will be adjacent to Highway 287, and increase their masonry and glass to 70% in alignment with city ordinance. The most debated part of the evening was over their proposed 60-foot cross near the church's 287 entrance. Living Church agreed to push the cross back at least 200 feet into their 32-acre property line and away from the highway approximately 250 to 300 feet. They also agreed to delay the cross installation until Phase 2 of their project, when they build their 3,000-seat auditorium. Pastor Baba related the evening to being in the ring. I kind of feel like I'm already in the 13th round of a boxing match here, and so I still got plenty of spring in my step. While seeking approval for the 60-foot cross, Baba emphatically responded as to whether or not a hypothetical 60-foot star of David should be allowed in Mansfield. I think if an organization comes into Mansfield and has a 10-year service record and purchases 36 acres and has favor in the city, I think that then it would need to be brought to council, and council would have to weigh their belief of what's best for the majority of people that live in that community, and then again, it would be y'all's decision. So the reason that we don't have a mosque in Mansfield is because no one has came to build a mosque in Mansfield. Councilman Brent Newsom sought to reduce the height of the proposed cross. They still just have a heartburn with that, that, that much of a variance. My motion to amend the motion would be to reduce it to 50 foot. The 50 foot height amendment failed ultimately resulting in the passing of the proposed 60 foot cross along with the rest of the living word project. Reporting for About Mansfield, I'm Robbie Terry. Saturday is National Weed Your Garden Day, while Monday is National Nature Photography Day. Let's find out if Mother Nature is going to cooperate for the entire week. Alexa? You're kidding, Steve. It's going to be hot and miserable. In Mansfield for the next seven days. Wednesday, 91 degrees Fahrenheit and lots of sun. Thursday, 94 degrees and lots of sun. Friday, 95 degrees and partly sunny weather. Saturday, 97 degrees and lots of sun. Sunday, 98 degrees and lots of sun. Monday, 98 degrees and lots of sun. Tuesday, 98 degrees and lots of clouds. That's a look at news and weather. If you have a news tip that you would like us to follow up on, please send us an email to news at aboutmansfield.com. Again, that is news at aboutmansfield.com. Just a reminder to follow this podcast so you will be automatically notified when a new episode is released. The easiest way is to log on to our website at aboutmansfield.com and enter your email address under the Follow Podcast by Email heading on the homepage. For those who enjoy listening to this program on the Apple Podcasts app, we would greatly appreciate you taking a couple of seconds to give us a positive rating. Coming up after the break, he is a former NASA engineer, author, musician, and Mansfield resident. Dennis Webb joins me in studio, six feet apart, and in masks. Stay with us. I'm Steve Casillo with Colleen Daniel, Robbie Terry, and Stacey Main, and this is About Mansfield. 
It has literally carved the landscape of the planet itself. Yet beyond its beauty and its grace, it is essential to life itself. Water, it's awesome. Enjoy it, just don't waste it. Visit waterisawesome.com. Hi, I'm Carmen McMillan, Executive Director of Mansfield Mission Center, inviting you to make our thrift store your one stop for shopping, donating, and volunteering. When neighbors buy your donations, the proceeds help other Mansfield neighbors in need with free services including financial assistance, employment help, food, medical, dental, and vision care. Voted Best Thrift Store in 2019 by Living Magazine, the Mansfield Mission Center Thrift Store is located at Broad and Walnut Creek. For more details, visit our website at Mansfield mansfieldmission.org. That's mansfieldmission.org. Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo. And if I do sound a little bit muffled, well, out of the respect of my in-studio guest and uh, keeping in mind that uh, we are still in the coronavirus days, I am actually doing this interview and uh, as well as my guest with a mask on. It was back in 1914 that the first patent for liquid-fueled rocket design was granted to Dr. Robert Goddard. Six years later, the New York Times would condemn Dr. Goddard in an editorial, and it reported that rockets can never fly. 49 years later, in 1969, the Times would belatedly apologize. My in-studio guest retired from NASA Johnson Space Center. After a 36-year career from 1972 to 2008 in human space flight mission operations, including service in mission control for space shuttle program, mission assurance for the shuttle MIR program, project planning, integration, and management for the International Space Station, and concluded his career as mission operations project manager for the Constellation program. He's a published author and illustrator, an experienced astronomical observer, as well as a big band bassist, guitarist, ukulele player, singer, and most importantly, a Mansfield resident. Dennis Webb, thank you for uh, for being here on About Mansfield. Hey, Steve, it's great to be here. Your LinkedIn resume is like a who's who of NASA. I mean, you you you've been through well thirty six years of programs at NASA, and rockets really can fly, can't they? R- rockets really can't fly. I have friends who call me a rocket scientist, but I uh, I worked uh, computers, avionics, telemetry. Uh, 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 and so, uh, you know, people can call me that, but I'm, I'm not really a rocket scientist. I knew lots of rocket scientists. Rocket, rockets have a lot of energy, and they're very complicated. In 1972, you're an electrical engineer student at the University of Houston. How did that lead to a job at NASA? Well, I, I had, like all people coming out of high school, I didn't know anything. And so I said, I'm good at math. I'm going to get a degree in math. And uh, a high school teacher kind of watched that for a few months and said, you really ought to be an engineer. And her husband worked in the college. And so they said, you ought to do that. And I said, yeah, that's that that might produce more income. And so I get over there and they get, I get settled in. They say, hey, you want to join the co-op program? What's a co-op program? Well, it's a thing where employers will pay you a pittance to come out and work every other semester. And so you go to school for a semester, you you work for the company. And I went out and did a few interviews and nobody wanted me because I I didn't, at the time, I didn't present myself very well. And you were how old? Oh, 20, let's see, 72. I would have been 1920. Okay. Uh, and so they said, well, nobody wanted you. Uh, if you fill out these 30 pages of federal paperwork, we'll get you on with NASA. They've seen your, your grades. And, yeah, he's okay. And so I, I hired on with the federal government. And uh, I think it was, what was it? I, I forget what month, but it was around 1972. And so I, I go out and I go through. This was, um, uh, the center was kind of oversubscribed with stuff. So they had human resources out at in these shacks at Ellington Field, Ellington Air Force Base at right. the time. And so I think, what have I gotten myself into? This is grubby. And then, you know, they finally finished processing me, and they plopped me down in an office with three other guys. 
three other guys who happened to have been heroes of the Apollo program. Oh, my. One of them was a guy named Bill Moon, who's the Chinese flight controller that shows up in a lot of the movies and documentaries. And uh, so I plop down and, you know, I have a boss who uh, hands me stuff to work and the guys kind of help me and they play jokes on me because they hadn't had a young person (laughs) hire in for a while. I won't tell any of the pranks. Uh, But, you know, and and so I'd go and we were getting, they were getting ready for Apollo 17. The rest of us, some of us, well, everybody was working on getting ready for Skylab because it was right on top of the end of Apollo. And it was one of the things that NASA had done brilliantly for the 10 years before was you're flying one vehicle, you're doing early planning for the next vehicle, and you're doing uh, final or final planning for the next vehicle and uh, then early planning for the stuff downstream, Mercury, Gemini, and Apollo. And so it was just kind of normal business for them. And these were the pros from Dover, people who had done the Apollo program in mission control. These right. were the, the mission control people. And uh, so, you know, I, you know I, I'm a little shy, but, you know, you throw in and, and, okay, I help out. And I remember one late night meeting we were reviewing uh, – Control center requirements for Skylab, and it, it ran till about eight. And I, I, I'm in the middle of it, and suddenly I, I become aware everyone's laughing at me because I'd fallen asleep in the meeting. Oh no! <laughs> but it, you know, I, uh, you don't do that. No, 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 no. But they kept me. You come into NASA as, as a, a a young uh, yeah. In, intern, yeah, and you're surrounded by literally. The world's most brilliant minds. Did you ever feel overmatched? Uh, well, no. I, I was. A, I knew I was a smart kid. I knew how to. You know, I, I got good grades. I knew how to behave around other people. And you know, I was. I, to be honest, I wasn't in awe because these were just engineers. Yeah. Okay, they had done some different things. And in fact, you know, it, it's. I, I worked with some of the most amazing people, capable, smart people. But by and large, NASA, our part of the organization, was thrown together with pretty much anybody they could hire. I know people who basically were draft dodgers because if you worked for NASA, you could get a deferment. But they had the most brilliant, thin veneer of experienced aerospace flight test people leading it. Gotcha. People who had done all kinds of things, and they knew how to build a team and how to call people to a difficult mission. And, you know, this idea, we're going to the damn moon. Well, that's that's a motivating thing, and it's a national priority. Sure. And it took what, like my, my first boss, a guy named John Aaron, who was hero of Apollo 12, control center decision-making, he said, you know, I talked to him years later, and he said, yeah, I couldn't get hired into NASA today. My, my grades weren't that good. Mm-hmm. But it was brilliant leadership and people who were committed. I mean, you, you, can't, you can't just order some of that. It, 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 uh, it, it was a brilliant confluence of things. So the 70s, we had the Apollo era. The 80s and 90s was the space shuttle era. The 2000s is the International Space Station. Do you have a favorite time or project that you worked on during your tenure at NASA? Oh, uh, you know, the early days working in the, the control center on the early shuttle program because we were learning how to do this new thing. And it had a lot of new aspects that other spacecraft hadn't. And that's where a new guy could come in and make a mark. That, that was, you know, that was a dazzling experience. And then in the early days of the space station program, which got delayed and got delayed, I, uh, uh, in my organization, people want to work current missions because that that's where the careers are made that's where the the fun is that you know something terrible happened we're going to figure this out and drag it out and that culture didn't particularly enjoy or culture oh let's work the early design phase of a future program and try to make it operable and so that that was basically my niche for the last two-thirds of my career was working the next program on behalf of the operators. And since I was one of the few, I got to be a division chief, a third-level manager at the young age of 30-something because I wanted to do it. And we had budget, and we hired a ton of kids 
one of the old secretaries said, this is like being in a freshman dorm. <laughs> and, you know, I've, I've still many, many friends from that time because yeah. we kind of knew what we were doing. I was not, at the start, the best division chief because I'd been kind of doing staff analysis for a while. Your involvement with the space shuttle also involved the space shuttle mirror program. And what was your uh, uh, your involvement with oh, the Russian government? That, that's the weirdest job I ever had. The uh, the recall the you know the Soviet Union crumbles. It was a national uh, a foreign policy concern that the Russians would sell all their rocket scientists to Iran or somebody even worse. And the idea was it, it, this This came down from, it had nothing to do with NASA. It said, NASA, here is, I don't know, $50 million a year. Find a way to spend it on the Russian space program to stabilize them. And so one of the things was, oh, let's put American astronauts up on the Mir space Station that the Russians had built, and mm -hmm. it was kind of the biggest space station that had been built in a long time. Uh, one of the things was, okay, we want to pay the Russians for information about the reliability of their space station and the, the, the spare parts flow and all of that, and we want to know that, and in exchange, we'll pay them. And so the strangest job I, I ever had was I had a pot of money. I never saw it. You know, this, this is government <laughs> money. They're, sure. They're, but that as long as I'd agreed to a plan with the, the, the Russian space organization, and they would get so much money if I would get so much reports, and I had a counterpart. And Did that ever take you to Russia? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I did three two-week trips. Do you speak Russian? Uh, no, I, I learned to say pleasantries and, and to read the alphabet. That, that was an interesting puzzle, the Cyrillic alphabet. It's like ours, but different. But no, we, we spent, uh, I spent three different trips, one with uh, Shuttle Mirror, and I, the, I was the leader of a small team of people who were going to live in the Russian Control Center during the whole period American astronauts were up there. And I think there were five astronauts that spent time on the Mirror. And so I went and kind of set up camp. They had given me a little corner of a control room where the American space science people held out. So I just watched, and I'd wander down to the control center and, you know, drag the interpreter and and ask questions. And I was trying to build a model of, okay, how sophisticated is their control center? What are their skills? What are their strengths and weaknesses? And it it never quite worked out, but we were there, and in fact... The fellow who replaced me and stayed for several months, where I only went for a couple of weeks, they had a major catastrophe on the mirror, and he was there, and he was kind of NASA's guy on the scene communicating back, where the Russians had a, you know, a direct uh, communication path, but he was our guy there, and he, he's got a wild story to tell. You were there for 36 years. Did you ever have a desire to go into space? No. No. <laughs> no. I, uh, uh, I, I've, I've lived to this ripe old age, having never played sports. All my joints work. Nothing hurts. I've, the, the whole space flight thing is an arduous physical Oh, sure. Uh, experience. And, you know, the, the you know, we worked with the astronauts for, for my whole career, and there are all these, you know, intellectually brilliant type A personalities. The, the joke was when they go for their annual physical, they could not run on the treadmill hard enough to get their heart rate up. Wow. That was not my life. I was happy to be supportive. What are some of NASA's biggest successes during your 36 years there? The biggest one I had the most to do with was the International Space Station. Um for a lot of reasons, I mean, if, if if you if you go look at what it is, it's this massive thing. Nothing anywhere close to that big has been put together and used in orbit, and it's working. I mean, it, it's uh, uh, and it's still working today. Oh yeah, yeah. There's it, there's I think three people up there. Normally there's six. For the early days, we were just holding it together and keeping it working. And one of the interesting parts of the project was. 
It's like you're flying an airplane and you're putting it together while you're flying it. Right. Now, you don't have the aerodynamic problem with that. But every time we'd bring up a new piece, you had to have all the software that was there. You had to have planned a logistics train that if you needed to replace a thing, it was either on the space station or could be gotten up on the next shuttle. And so it was, it was, it was a, it was a huge uh, puzzle to figure out how are you going to make this thing work? And of course, it, it's a heavily software driven thing. And so you had to figure out, okay, every time we add a new thing, the software needs to know it's there. And you still have to be able to do Apollo 13 kind of things when you have to turn off half the computers and somehow survive. So it was a, it was a marvelous puzzle that we, uh, over time solved. In 2015, you co-authored a book called Annals of the Deep Sky, and, and, and my autographed copy is from Volume 6 from 2018. Uh, keeping in mind that the majority of my listeners are not scientists, uh, what's the book about? Well, it, it, let me preface it a little bit. Around the time I turned 40, I realized I had no hobbies. It was work and things that had been hobbies had sort of become like work. And so we, we bought a, a, a used house that had a hot tub in the back, and I, I got it working, and we'd sit out there, and I said, I'm a big space guy. I don't know the names of the constellations, you know, Big Dipper, Orion. Mm -hmm. but, but so I, I had a, a friend, a business manager with NASA who had been doing amateur astronomy his whole life, and so I got pulled in, and within a year I had a telescope, and within a year I had a bigger telescope, and a few years later I built a giant telescope, and uh, we'd uh, go out socially and observe, and my friend had a, an observatory out, out in the boonies, and, you know, an annual gathering for a week up in the mountains. And so I became an amateur astronomer, and I developed... Uh, well, I, another digression. I suffered depression twice in my life, generally career unhappiness, anxiety, middle-aged crazy. And I did a thing and it said, what, or I did an instrument that said, what do you need in your life that you're not missing? And what was missing was research. I need to do research and I need to teach. And so I, this astronomy thing was, you know, you've got the whole, the whole literature going back to the 1850s available online and massive. So I, I found some projects and, and, uh, we built, we did a book in 2006 called The Arp Atlas of Peculiar Galaxies. It was a critical success. Mm -hmm. and, but my friend and I said, when we finished that, we said, let's do another book. And so we, came up with this idea, something that hadn't been done in maybe 40 years, is a few books that tell something about everything in the sky, the whole sky, northern hemisphere, southern hemisphere, and we puttered with it for a few years and finally got something we liked, and it's it's been a modest hit. It's uh, up to seven volumes now. I'm no longer working on it, but... Uh, uh, it's a read. It, it's a read. It's my just... my co-author is a science writer, and so it, it, we're telling stories about the astrophysics and the history. Which you'd say, oh, astrophysics—that that doesn't sound like storytelling. But but you know, you say there was a thing that we saw that was baffling, and right. here is how human beings work together over decades to figure out how a star works. What is a galaxy? Now, you gave me the book about two years ago. And yeah, I, and, 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 and you're done reading it, right? And, well, <laughs> and in preparation for today's interview, I did at least crack the book, and there were a lot of words I can't pronounce. Well, yeah, and we, we like to think it someone who's generally science-interested could, could enjoy it, but it's, it's, you know, the publisher says, no, they, nobody's going to read this but amateur astronomers who have... A chunk of the vocabulary. We wrote the first book to kind of take people through the big picture of it and explain what astrophysics is. It's you know it's a word we hear, and you know Neil deGrasse Tyson is an astrophysicist, but right. what, what the hell is that? Let's go back to NASA for just a second, because while you were there, you played in a big band. Yeah. You played bass in a big band. I, I, I learned to read music and play bass in a jazz band, which was not something I'd ever expected. The 
uh, it started out, chili cook-offs are big in Texas, and our <laughs> bosses at NASA said, let's have a an annual chili cook-off, and we'll all have a good time, and, you know, esprit de corps, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so it kind of goes, you know, anytime you get highly motivated people, it goes out of control, and, yep. well, we're going to have showmanship, and... And I don't know, me and another guy in the office said, let's see if we could play, put together a band and play some Sousa marches. I was kind of the drag on the band, but as one of the co-founders, they couldn't kick me out. And so you you, you played bass in the, the NASA big band, but you also play guitar, you play ukulele, you play a variety of instruments. Well, and- mostly guitar. I took it up in high school thinking it would bring me girls, and it didn't. And you brought your guitar here today. Why, I did. I did. I carry it with me everywhere. Are you going to play for us? Uh, If you like. What would you like to play for us? Well, I I got a couple things. Uh, uh, There's a song about space that means a lot to me. It's a song of my people. And maybe your listeners would sing along, particularly the soprano ladies. Or I got a lovely uh, warm memory from World War II. Let's take a listen. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to seek out new life forms and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Dennis Webb on guitar and vocals. Uh, outstanding. Thank you for uh, for serenading the listeners. Oh, it's my pleasure. There's an event coming up in Mansfield. Yes. I'm, I'm... And not many people know about this ex- except you because you're, a, you're an astronomy type of guy. And I want you to tell the Mansfield listeners what's coming up that's, that's it's, it's exciting news. The... This is a scoop. You will not hear this on any of the local news, and it's going to be fantastic. Uh, On April 8, 2024, that's almost a little less than four years away, a total solar eclipse will go over all of Mansfield. Every square foot of Mansfield, assuming it's not cloudy, will have the experience of seeing a solar eclipse. I had never been to a solar eclipse until 2017 when the big one came across the U.S., and we looked at the maps and said, well, we've been to Kansas City. We know hotels and stuff. Let's go to Kansas City and see it. And I I had read that it's an emotional experience for everybody, whether you care about astronomy or not, because, well, okay, so it, it goes dark in the middle of the day. What's the big deal about that? It's mm-hmm. stunningly beautiful. I had invited several groups of friends to come up and join us, and everybody in our party cried. It was such a dazzling experience visually. And so... As I watched, because we knew this was happening, we planned it months in advance, we saw every small town in the path scrambling, some successfully, some not, because basically if you were out in a small town out in the middle of nowhere and the solar eclipse went over, two years before, people were trying to book hotel rooms. And so 
my my goal with talking it here, and I I would have talked to the city council if uh, if we hadn't had an interruption here, is that there are things we can do as a city to attract people to our place beyond it just being uh, uh, come see come see the the eclipse in Mansfield now. I'm making it out that Mansfield is the only place where it's going to be. That's not quite the case. The whole Metroplex will see the total eclipse other than the northwest corner of Fort Worth. And so that I think it's an opportunity for Mansfield because there are going to be a ton of people coming up from the Gulf Coast, a ton of people coming from Oklahoma. People f- will fly all over the world. I've got a, a British friend who has reserved my roof. Nice. I don't know if they'll come, but uh, it, it, it was it was a conversation. April eighth, twenty twenty four, here in Mansfield. Three and a half minutes of total darkness. Yes, total darkness. Street lights will go on. Street lights will go on. Birds will stop. Birds will freak out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, lizards will go away. Yeah. Well, next week on the podcast, I have the director of tourism for the city of Mansfield coming on as my guest. Can I tell her about it? Oh, a- absolutely. Because I was figuring if I went to city council, they'd say, oh, you need to talk to so-and-so and join a committee, and I'll, I'll be happy to do all that. Cause, okay. Because the city could profit from this as well as draw attention to what a great town we are. Oh, I think the city, it, it's, it's, it's an open pot of gold. Yeah. You ready to have some fun? Yeah, I'm always ready to have some Because I know you're a fun guy. Well, thank you. All right. I You're have, a fun guy, too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but it, this is about you. Uh, I got six rapid-fire questions here. Okay? Uh, I'm an old guy. I may not be fast. That's okay. I, we can edit them down so we can edit out all the silence. <laughs> <laughs> all right. If, uh, if you were given the opportunity to fly into space given to, with today's technology, would you take it? No. What's your favorite planet? Well, uh, two. Mars, because we know so much about the surface from the recent work. Jupiter, because I watched asteroids blast into it. I was one of them, sometime in the 1990s, coming Shoemaker-Levy. And then everybody loves Saturn, those those pictures from Saturn. So, yeah, I, kind of, I like them all. <laughs> <laughs> if you were running for office, what would your campaign slogan be? I'm retired. I would not run for office. What's your favorite fruit? Uh, these days, I'm enjoying oranges. Nice. Where were you when Neil Armstrong walked on the moon? My family was visiting my dad's family in rural Mississippi. Star Trek or Star Wars? Uh, Star Trek. What was your worst subject in school? Thermodynamics. 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 I, I hated it. I, you know, I got a B, but. <laughs> What's the best advice you've ever given a school-age child? Find something to be interested in and dig in as deep as you can. Dennis Webb, author, illustrator, astronomer, musician, retired human spaceflight professional, and a fascinating human being. It's been my honor to have you on About Mansfield today. Hey, any time I get to spend time visiting with you is a good day. I appreciate that. We'll be right back. Hi, this is John with Pool Aid, your local pool care specialist. With the exceptional amount of rain that we've experienced so far this year, spring is a vital time to clean pool filters, skim leaves and debris, and keep skimmers clean to ensure proper circulation as well as keep your pool sweep in good working condition. If you have any questions or concerns or need a certified professional to help keep your pool safe and clean, visit us on the internet at poolaid.net. That's poolaid.net. We're here for you. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with an SPF of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. We welcome all feedback about the program. Feel free to chime in by sending an email to comments at aboutmansfield.com or by voicemail at 817-435-2938. Again, that's 817 
2938. We will read or play back some of the comments in a future episode. Congratulations to Chris Sheridan, who was the first person to email the correct answer to last week's trivia question. All totaled, how many schools are there within the MISD organization? According to the MISD website, there are 46 schools. Chris has won a $25 gift card to Fish City Grill. After the break, this week's trivia question of the week. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C section and after dad's back injury. They helped when you were in pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Trouble with opioids can start at home with unused medicines such as pills, patches, and syrups. You can remove the risk and protect your family. Find out how at www.fda.gov/drugdisposal. It's time right now for the highly coveted, wildly popular trivia question of the week. The first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com will receive a $25 gift card to Fish City Grill. It's home of the world famous. Oyster nachos. You can find them on the corner of Debbie Lane and 157, or on the internet at fishcitygrill.com. Let's get to this week's question, Colleen. Well, Steve, the city manager oversees the day-to-day operations of the city, reporting to the city council and directing a management team of professionals. Clayton Chandler has been Mansfield's city manager for over three decades. This week's trivia question is. In what year was Clayton Chandler hired as city manager by the city of Mansfield? Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, in what year was Clay Chandler hired as city manager by the city of Mansfield? Good luck. And thanks to Fish City Grill for the gift card. Coming up next week on About Mansfield, we have our usual array of news, talk, and information, including an in-studio interview with the director of Mansfield Convention and Visitors Bureau, Teresa Cohagen. This show will be released on Wednesday, June 17th. Until then, don't forget to follow this podcast if you haven't already, so you never miss an episode. It's free and it's easy. Just enter your email address on our website, aboutmansfield.com. We will never send you any spam. We promise. Thanks for listening. For Colleen Daniel, Robbie Terry, and Stacy Maine, I'm Steve Casillo, and this is about Mansfield. <laughs>